All right, social media family. Thank you yet again for joining us for another installment of the Discipling Through Philippians series. Now we are on lesson 10 tonight, lesson 10. So we are going to jump back into Philippians chapter three, Philippians chapter three, and we want to look at verses 12 through 14. Let's read verses 12 through 14. Now I want to look at the old school King James first, and then I'll read it in the Amplify. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Reads like this. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In the New Living Translation reads like this, it says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Now we see the Apostle Paul here talking about running his race. Now, I'm looking at verse 12 first. Now, you see him say, I don't mean to say that I've already reached those things or that I've reached perfection. Now, why do you think he's saying that here in verse 12 in light of what we've heard in the rest of the chapter preceding this? Because you remember, if you read verses 7 through 11, you have Paul talking about the intimacy, the, the importance of his relationship with Christ versus the what the world would consider all of the accolades and the things to strive for and how he, he values the relationship above, above all. And counts all of the secular accolades, all of that stuff is done in comparison to what, what he has in his relationship with Christ. I mean, because I know he talked about he wants to know Christ and experience <clears throat> the power that raised him from the dead. And he's saying, okay, I'm not saying I've got there yet. Like what he's saying, this is um, 
progress. It's a journey. Yeah, it's a journey. It sounds like it's talking like a lifetime thing. Right. You're always you're always running to apprehend, and God's always there apprehending you at the same time. So he said, "I'm. It's a process toward getting to know Him, experiencing that mighty power. You know, experiencing that. Really. So he said, "I'm not there yet. It's a, it's a, it's a process." Growing in grace. Yeah. Day by each day. experience gets right. deeper, stronger. That's when you have to ask yourself, is anybody there yet? <laughs> you know? So is it even possible for us to ever be there on this side of heaven? I don't think so. But but to be running for it and to know that the Holy Spirit's apprehending you at the same time, that's kind of cool. As true as any relationship we have on this earth ever perfect. I mean, it's always a mm-hmm. another layer, another level, another. Mm-hmm. I love you, yeah. husband and wives. I love you more. Yesterday, you know, today, yesterday, less than tomorrow. It's almost like a joke, but it's not. You know, it's love, love. You know, friendships that grow deeper. You know, it's like I was best friends when I was five years friends with this person, but ten years I, I know we're close. We're like this, so that's what I would think. It's just like you just keep on going. <laughs> Yeah, because that's true, because, I mean, you're, from a human point of view, people change, you know, through different seasons in their life, you know. And, and sometimes you, you know, you know, know. when I look back, I was different when I was 20 versus now. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're thinking, you know, the way you, and, yeah. you know, you experience, sometimes when you experience life change you, you know, and like you said, when you're with somebody, you know, um, I used to hear, I heard Keith Gibbs one time, he was talking about that, and he was like, you know, he, with, with your spouse, he said, you, you need your spouse, he used to be, he made it to where you were riding the motorcycle, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, when you ride the motorcycle, he said, if you got somebody on the back like the spouse, he said, you hit a turn. You they know, got to turn with you. Yeah, they got to turn. Yeah. If they lean one way, you lean the other way. You ain't turning this way. Yeah. So he was saying the same thing with, with, with the marriage. You know, a couple of, okay, when I'm going through a turn, all the way, when I'm going through something, you got to lean with me. Because if you don't lean with me, it's going to be a disaster. That's a perfect analogy. Yeah. And if I you ever ride a motorcycle, cool. that's yeah. perfect. I never rode one like that. But I, I, I took somebody for a ride and never been on one. And I was going around the curb, and they were afraid, and they started leaning the other way. Mm-hmm. And that bike was going straight. That bike wasn't going around the curb. Mm-hmm. And I had to yell at them, lean with me. I'm yelling at them. And then finally, his bike started turning. Right. And so he said, hey, you got to stay with me in the turns. Yeah. Life will hang your turn. Yeah. yeah. If you relationship with somebody, then, you know, or you want them to go with you. You know, yeah. like I said, but if they don't go with you, you're in trouble. Yeah, it's, it's going to yeah. cause a really yeah. strain on the relationship, a right? <laughs> yeah. Same thing here. It's like, you know, God says, okay, you got to know me, know where I'm taking you, where I'm going, follow me. Yeah. You know, and if you want to go in another direction, it's going to be a train wreck. Yep, that is a great analogy. Yeah. That's when we realize we're not, you know, it's like God never condemns us for like doing wrong, but then we realize it's not about that and you know it's it's it could hurt us you know it's like his way is the best way and it's not oh he's gonna judge us and spank our rear ends or whatever it's like 
Yeah, there's, there's, no, there's, there's no condemnation, but there sure can be a lot of conviction. A lot yeah. of conviction can yeah. come Yeah, up. and consequences that will hurt you. It's like, hey, you know, it's going to hurt you, bud, if you do this, or you know, my daughter, you know. When I was younger, I used to major in being, in being stupid. And uh, conviction would all the time, you know? But I, I like the analogy, because like you said, we, we grew up with that word picture. Of, you know, if you do bad, you'll get a spanking. Mm -hmm. And God is saying mentality. And so you have, you have that, if you have that picture in your head, you grow up with that picture. Like you said, you, you mess up, you thinking, okay, I'm getting a spanking. Or, you know, if something go wrong, oh, I must be getting a spanking for something. And I'm so glad she said, cause, but when you understand God is not like that, mm -hmm. then it changes your whole perspective. Well, sure, we, were, we were never taught, you know, the Old Testament correctly. We were never taught that. That was what God punished, you know, like Andrew Womack has really made it clear, you know, it's like, it was like a parent, you know, when a kid is little, you know, they, they spank them, and then as they get older, they teach them the consequences, and they teach them relationship, and, you know, it's like in the Old Testament, they couldn't get grace, so, you know, Jesus had came, and it was like, there had to be some kind of, like, don't sin, don't hurt yourself, and it was this, you know, smack, you know, but it was like, Jesus came, and was like, higher standard, was like, yeah, the heart, you know, I want, I want you to hurt, I have the best way, you know. Didn't help when you left the house and your mother looked at you. Behave yourself. God's watching you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> she didn't do this. Mm -hmm. I've heard of that. I've heard of that. See, even if you did mess up, you couldn't enjoy it. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. God's watching you. That's good. That's good. I'm, I'm still, I'm looking at that picture. The motorcycle, right? Mm -hmm. So just imagine that you got the driver and the passenger, right? So in our walk with the Lord, who's supposed to be the driver and who's the passenger? Jesus. Uh, the Holy Spirit drives. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then this what when it means to be led by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in a situation or I'm, you know, I got decisions to make or whatever, what have you. Just going through day to day life, if the Holy Spirit is leaning this way, if I'm not in tune with Him, and I'm leaning this way, it's gonna be a wreck. You gonna do that? This yeah, right. Right. So, still looking at verse twelve, where He says, in the second part, He says, "But I press." on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Now that word press, that sounds like works. Mm -hmm. no, yeah. It sound like works? Yeah. Yeah. Now, how, now, okay, grace people, how do we interpret that? Diligence. See that as a work. And you have to overcome what the flesh mm -hmm. wants, and that's a work. Because a lot of times flesh doesn't want to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. In other words, you cannot Get weary and well doing. Or get an attitude, you know. I'm in 8,000 meetings in my life. I don't want to go to 8,001, <laughs> you know. Consistency. But I, I, I think what answers, for me, what answers that first, you, you got to look at the last part. It says Christ first possessed me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my pressing is, because I've already been possessed by him yeah. first. So therefore, 
out of him knowing that. So to me, it, it's all about receiving first. Yeah. Not the, achieving. The pressing part is when, when he's making the decisions and you have to decide to go mm -hmm. along with it. And that's, that's the pressing part, I think. Because the flesh doesn't always want to do what the spirit wants to do. I think we've become professional achievers. We've been taught how to achieve when it comes to the thing of God. Achieve it, achieve it. When instead of just receiving it. But there still is something to be said about our wills. Right. There are things. Right. The scripture says draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Mm -hmm. Who has to draw first? Right? You ever have those days, oh, I don't feel like reading, I don't feel like getting in the work. Mm -hmm. But so sometimes you just will to sit down and read. The, and then after that, okay, then I can't put it down. It's, but take, I mean, it, just to sit and wait for God to strike you right. or something. Mm -mm. When you said achieve, I, I, I keep thinking of the Baptists. Uh, there's no preacher, Baptist preachers, that aren't PhDs. I mean, they all, when you hear them, they got their they got their degree at this school, and then they got their master's at this school, and then they got their yes. PhD, and then they went on to study <clears throat> something else. Mm -hmm. And I used to think to myself, these guys are all, like you said, achieving, 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 mm -hmm. and they're getting accolades from higher up, from because they're you know mm -hmm. achieving. Did we talk about that last week? Yeah, we mm -hmm. uh, we we made. There's nothing wrong with that. Like oh, I said, no. when you make it. Uh, we was talking about that when Paul was giving his resume, and there's nothing wrong with all the degrees, but when you put that before, but he Paul says, like I said, he said earlier, mm -hmm. I push all that aside just to know Christ. You know, it's good I got all this. The resume looks good, but and that's it, head knowledge, too. right? And he says, but it don't mean nothing. I take I throw all the weight to know Christ because I, it's about well, revelation. Enough. At the relationship. The what's, right. what's the, the actual is. word? The amplifies says, but I press on. Are there any other yeah. translations? Yeah, Let me read it. Let me read it in the King James. And I'm reading in the Passion. In the King James, again, the second half, let me just read the whole verse. It says, Not as though I'd already attained either were already perfect, but I follow after. Use the phrase follow after. And the footnote says, press on, right. if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, the I mean, the passion says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill. And wants me to discover. Now you see how that reads. I run it with passion. All right. So that's not saying, you know, that's that kind of puts it in a different light. Because when you hear that word press, you can interpret that some kind of way as to say, okay, this it sounds a little more works based, right? Like, or something that is is is. You you can you can look at that in the flesh. And well, not, if you told me press on, to me that just means keep on going, don't give up. I like this definition and strong. It says 
to lay hold uh, with the mind. So that's first to lay hold on, or to understand, to perceive, to learn, to comprehend. So I, I lay hold, I possess it with my thinking first. You know, because like you remember, Romans it says, what, be transformed, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it says to lay hold with the mind. I thought. Yeah, so did. press. Yeah. I was looking at that. So press. So lay hold with the mind first. Then, of course, you know, with your thinking, action will be born out of that. Yeah. As the Holy Spirit leads you. Yeah. I thought about too, where Andrew and Matt will talk about fighting for our rest, you know, that it sounds like a. You know, oxymoron, mm-hmm. but yeah, but it's while well, I'm talking about that, it's um, mm-hmm. you know, it's like pressing on. It's like you're, it's like we're not supposed to fight. You know, we're supposed to rest, but that's what it is. Is we're renewing our mind, mm-hmm. we're saying, you know, to the truth, and you know, that's what we're doing. You know, it was Daniel Kalinda, right? Yeah, he gave a new meaning about the the rest. You know, fighting for your rest, and he, I put it on the wall. It was. Your trust equals rest. You know, you're, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said he had the secret to everything because he would, he ended up taking over Reinhard Bonnke's ministry and stuff. And he was talking about, he said he used to think Reinhard Bonnke, not to interrupt, he was just kind of like, no, I don't want to elaborate it. He would watch him like do miracles and stuff. And he'd be like, he would think like it was going to be like a Disney movie or something magic and all this stuff when he started, I guess, coming <laughs> yes. under his wing. And you would just see him hanging out with people before the meetings and he would just lay hands and. And it was just bothering her because he came, I think, with Dan Corinthians said he came from a ministry where it was almost legalistic. So it was always strive, 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 strive. And then it was just someone who just relaxed. And then what it was is he ended up realizing in his life, he goes, do you know what the secret to resting is? It's called T-R-U-S-T. Yeah. Trust. Trust. Yeah. You know, we, have, we have that on our wall. That's the good by faith, right? To mm-hmm. enter into that trust. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, like I said, when I, um, mm-hmm. you know, of course, when you first, I know for me, when I was first taught this, you know, you look at the word, you know, <laughs> they always, you know, put himself, I press toward the mark. And, you know, when you was taught, works. That's what works. Okay, you press it. So, how do you press? By coming to church a lot, by standing in prayer a lot, you know, of course, by reading the word a lot, you know, all those things, right? So, <laughs> Yeah. It was work performance, yeah. and you were not, and you were looking for rewards, right? Because I know I was when right. I same way I got saved. I was at the church every time the doors opened, did everything I could, and I was looking for a godly reward for everything I did. Mm-hmm. So like I was legalistic and didn't know it. So that pressing was in your in your performance, and so, but I like what it says. You got to lay hold. You're thinking for you pressing. You're thinking, mm-hmm. as you said, trust. When I get it here, then everything else is born. Then you get back to Ephesians and say, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heaven. Mm-hmm. Places you start thinking, it's been given. I don't have to earn it. Right. I can rest in this. And that's where all that other stuff comes in. That's good. So we we use that word trust. And we um, I, I go back to the... The exchange that Jesus has with the disciples and where he says, unless you be as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the whole, that whole that whole concept of trust and how 
a young child trust a a parent, right? Or you know, they, they, there's a level of relaxation, like in peace, that's there. Yeah. Because of the relationship, right? The child and the, and the child's, they're not worrying about X, Y, Z, all of the different variables or things that could happen or that could go wrong. They are basing their response on the integrity of the word of the parent. Yeah, if a, if a parent says something, and they're true and they just trust my dad said he'll give me an, um, a candy bar in a little while mm -hmm. my favorite and so how do you know because my daddy always does that for me mm -hmm. they know it's a little treat or like the thing i liked was you said about your daughter when she was really little you know throwing up in the air she she didn't go like ah she's like yeah do it again do it again Trust, they know. Same thing already. You put them up. You put them. You doing things. They go. Do it again. See, my dad wouldn't totally. let that. My dad. My dad would steal from me. I mean, you know, he he. I worked one time. I I wanted to get my first shotgun. I was eleven or twelve years old. I cut grass and did everything and saved the money. And finally, I got the money and I gave it to him. And I said, "Go to Shoopy's gun shop. He just got the gun set aside." He kept the money. He <laughs> got drunk. And never brought the gun. I mean, I, I mean, that's just how it was at my house, you know. Yeah, you had you just had to get over it. Then you had to learn trust. Well, then God. when you go, then when you you start to trust God, that's a big deal now, because you couldn't trust your own father. Yeah, right? yeah. Or when you don't yeah. see your dad, but you know, a few hours a week, and it's you, know, you strive and strive, and you want to see. I realized I go, that's something that I did for a long time with God. It's like I strove to want to see him, you know. And it was you have to see him at church on Sunday, you know that kind of thing. And I go, I didn't see my dad, but if you were to push, you know, where we where we live, yeah, it's all there's no outlet except, yeah, the road we're on is you can't go some other way. You turn on that road, but you don't have no way to go. And where her father lived, he always had to run by the house, yeah. and I made it clear, I made it clear from the beginning. I go anytime she was homeschooled, like anytime if I'm home. If I'm out, he can't get her. I said, come and get her. He wouldn't do it. Yeah, so it was like a perception. I think that. Uh, so I would have traded with you. I would have loved not seeing my dad. Because <laughs> every time I see him, he wanted to slap you or hurt you somehow, you know? And I'm sure. That when he used to go away, away, I used to, I used yeah, to be thrilled. Way, it's not a good yeah, either way, I know. I'm sure it wasn't good. Because right. you, you, you know, when you promise something, and over time, he goes, okay, sure, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. And he wouldn't do it a lot. He was. The girlfriend, especially, it's a set. The the um, agreement says she can do from here to here, and he can be with her here to here. No, it said at least just do that. You can do anything else. No, it was adhered to. Oh, we only do Sunday twelve to, to six or whatever it was. Yeah, so they can perceive God, like you know, came from. Well, I can only see you know God on Sundays or church or and his. Presence was around, you know. It's like I know a guy that got that divorced and, and got married, and his new wife wouldn't let him visit his kids. I mean, that happens too, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, and right. they weren't married, and she didn't want to. And that was right here. I mean, they, our home is if you, you're a good baseball player, you hit the ball to their house. That's how yeah. close they are. Yeah, now you see how we're, we're talking about these real life circumstances and situations, right? Mm -hmm. 
and and so so life itself is trying to rob absolutely us absolutely of the 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 ability to trust him so when we talk about this pressing right here a part of that is to elevate his word above what the the circumstances are telling us right because that's what you know life mm-hmm. is like the, the enemy would use situations mm-hmm. to to shape or to challenge the integrity of what God promised you know yeah. oh God loves you how come XYZ happened right. how come this that and the third that's right what's that playing in our brain right how come that where were you? It's true, and even in our lives, sometimes we just say crap. I'm not saying that, but it's it's things can hide. Well, I'm talking real. I'm real. You know, recently I'm being real about my walk with God. It was like probably four or five months ago. It was over a little bit for the summer, maybe or something in the summer. I was talking to God, and He revealed something in my life. He showed me. I might have showed this before, but not what it is. But just He showed me. He goes, you blame me for taking this from you and I know better you know I know to know that God does not take away but it was something that happened and Satan can be crafty sometimes and it's I would always say the situation I like well it was a year and a half two years ago it was um well um God didn't take this away but if this had been then this would have happened and it was like I would kind of like hedge around it but it was I was still saying God did it you know, and then God had shown me, he didn't condemn me or anything, but it was, I needed to be set free of that. It's like, God had to show me again. It's like, listen, that's what you begin with. I don't steal. Satan steals, he'll destroy. Right. I came that you might have life and have more abundantly. I make promises. I don't want to, you know, destroy you. And it was like, whoa. And then I looked at it and it started to set me free of seeing the situation clear, you know. Mm-hmm. It can hide sometimes. What not. set me free, the Lord had me get interested in the World War II. And I started studying. My dad was a Marine in World War II. And I started studying all the assaults he was on. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I said, I, I, I could have probably been worse than him if I went through all that stuff. I'm sorry. My aunt said that when he left to go to war, he was just a wonderful young man. And when he came back, she said he, he couldn't sleep with the lights out. And he had to have fellowship. He had to have people around him all the time. So he went to the bar. And that's where he was more comfortable at the bar with other men that had just came out of the war. So I thought, I put myself in his shoes and I thought, man, I could have been way worse than him coming out of that. Because all those guys had problems and they all settled, they solved them with alcohol, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you see how if, you know, the Holy Spirit can work in people's hearts to kind of see what's going on behind the scenes in these these relationships where these breaches are and where think why things happen the way they did. Now, you know, that doesn't always happen. However, you know, the Holy Spirit sometimes things things will be revealed to you. And it to to open up your understanding, like, oh, okay, I see what's behind this, why things played out the way they did. But again, just thinking about what Paul is talking about here and how life will put pressure mm-hmm. on you to to drop the ball, you know, just to, you know, to, to try to get you to abandon the faith. Yeah. All right. So just imagine, like, I mean, those of us who are familiar with football, like when a running back has the ball or receiver catches the ball, 
or the all even the quarterback has the ball, what is the defense trying? What are they trying to do? They're trying to get that ball out of the player's hand. They're trying to get that ball. Right. So you you the receiver catches the ball. What's the first thing that the <laughs> the, the, the defender is trying to do? Sometimes he ain't even worried about getting them on the ground. He's trying to strip that ball. Mm -hmm. Trying to get that ball out. So what do you think the enemy is trying to do with our faith? Mm -hmm. Still kill Yeah. One of them tactics. Yeah. Yeah. I got to think about that just as a side note. I was thinking this yesterday, day before, and I was just talking to God. I was being real with some things in life recently. And, uh, you know, I go like, God, you know, I know some bad things in this world. And just being real, you know, talking, it was like, but, you know, religion is so bad. God, it is. You know, religion can, you know, almost can kill people, you know, but I was talking like, I think it was so bad because I'm, that's what almost destroyed me. That's the tool Satan used for me. And God had to show me, you know, kind of say, hey, listen, Satan's going to try to steal no matter what way, you know. I, it's like God was showing me, it's like, you had friends. They ran away from the church. They didn't want anything to do with the church. And they still had a cruddy lodge. You know, it's, Satan's going to use or try to use rather whatever he can. And I'm like, eh, I got you, God, you know. If you say to Jesus, the religion is bad, he'd say, you don't have to tell me those religious folks killed me. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Those religious uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, they couldn't deal with him because he was the real deal. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. But they knew the religious spirit. But imagine that you're, you're you're the big mahaf and you're being ex exalted by everybody around you. Yes. And, and all you are is a big big puff of hot air. And here comes Jesus, and he's raising the dead and healing the sick, right? <laughs> And all of a sudden, those guys are threatened. In other words, uh-oh. This guy's the real deal. We're supposed to represent God. We can't do nothing like this. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Competitive jealousy. That Saul spirit. I mean, that's real. Just think about it. Now, just bring it, bring it into the, you know, into context, like a modern context, right? You know, you the, 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 the puff of hot air. They got all the the hardware behind mm -hmm. them on the wall, the documentation. But that 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 preacher that got delivered and saved three years ago was a bum on the street. Now he's laying hands on folks and seeing the power of God manifest, prophesying to people. Yeah. Right. He decides to open up a you know small storefront. People gather together to support his ministry. Now the guy that has the hardware, the puff of hot air, he's gonna feel kind of threatened because if that if that's the source of your income and your you know your mm -hmm. status in the community, mm -hmm. right? If you had a powerful anointing on you right now, what church could you walk in and say, "Bring all your sick up here, get them in the line," and everybody got healed? How long would you be in that church before that pastor would be asking you to leave? The true pastor wouldn't do that. I'm talking about the average church, big church. Kingdom minded pastor. Somebody that's a pastor getting a big, big salary, and all of a sudden here comes in the real deal. Mm -hmm. what, what's he going to do now? Yeah, and Terry said, Kingdom. If they mm -hmm. think in kingdom, that's what you're looking for. Yep. 
Now, if he was a kingdom pastor, he'd yeah, he be saying, how can I help you? you? What can I do to help you yep. at your ministry? That's yeah. what the kingdom so guy would do. See, so you, you, we see in Paul somebody who is not hung up with all of the secular human accolades, all this type of stuff. And he could have been because he had the best education in the world. And, he had it all. And, and you know how God is. He could have chose, chose anybody. But he chose this man. Mm -hmm. the, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. <laughs> Taught under Gamaliel. I mean, he, he, was a, he was a big man, he, big man. Mr. Law. Mm -hmm. Mr. He used Mr. Law <laughs> to bring the revelation of grace. It's true because he had fishermen who didn't know anything. Well, not know anything. I mean, they weren't educated. And then, you know, but then he also used someone very educated, but the person who was very educated, as you say, counted all as, as dumb. You know, it's it nothing, you know, mm -hmm. you know Jesus. Right. Now let me let me throw a disclaimer out here just before we think that you know we're at, we're not anti-education at Grace Faith Fellowship. No, no, no. Okay. God not, uses it as a wonderful thing. You know, now we're not we're not. But it's not it, getting our focus as often. It's the thing. The thing about it is, it's like it's not. It it can be seductive when you when you put your trust. pursuit yeah. and your trust in getting this documentation, getting that that's this study time as if that's the the key to to relationship and manifestation and it's not now can it be used as a tool absolutely yes. see and they, and, and the, the the difference is it's like what is the what is your heart in pursuing this why do you want the phd are you do you want the phd because you want to understand god's word better and and be able to to deliver messages more skillfully and touch more people a broader range of of folk when you're communicating now if that's your heart then the lord he can work with that because see paul counted all this stuff as dumb but that all that understanding of the of the old covenant, it didn't disappear. Oh, no, it came in handy. Yeah. So when the revelation of grace manifested itself through him, who's the who's the the more perfect individual to for God to use to unveil mm -hmm. unveil how the revelation from the Old Testament progress? In the person of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and how and tie it all together. Right? I mean, that's why God he He saved you from all different lifestyles and professions and you know. Because like I said, you know, I see an example of no. if you grew up Muslim, you know, studying, you know. Quran and stuff like that, mm -hmm. then get saved. Well, who are you? You the best person to minister to another because you understand both, and you can say, okay, yeah, I, I see what you mean. I was that too, but here's how this is it from this, and so you be the perfect person to minister to in that area because you come from that background. I used to watch an ex-Muslim preacher. He was on every week, and one time he said. If there was any Muslims out there, this is on TV. He said, if there's any Muslims out there that have had a prayer answered, please write me. He said, because I was a practiced a Muslim for 25 years. 
I never got one prayer answered. He said, so if you get one answered, please write me and tell me. And I never heard him say that anybody got a prayer answered. So basically, the Lord can use anybody from any background, any culture, mm -hmm. right? All right. God Let's... did something with me one time, and I got mentioned before I'm studying Europe, but it made me think, I go, like, you know, speaking of religion and dealing with that on a heavy level and like a really heavy dosage that I did, and it said almost killed me, but I've had people say stuff to me and things I went through and someone in my life that I looked up to, they wrote me a, a message from Facebook one time and I know they meant it out of it. Like I said, I finally got to the point like four years later almost that they meant it with good intentions, but it just didn't come out so well. And I was very, but I was very angry at the time. And anyways, God had to kind of like tap me on the shoulder in a sweet way. and was like, why do you think you know what they said? No, why do you know what they meant? Or you think that you know what they meant? Why do you think you know? And I make my joke about it every time I go, it's like crickets were chirping for a second. I'm like, I hear you, God. It's like, I used to think that way. So I, I would have judged somebody too and said something. And I don't know if they meant it that way or not, but it was like, that's why I was so angry because of God was showing me. It's like, you don't judge. You know, you're being religious over religion. You're like, don't do that, you know, but you can reach somebody when you know kind of how they're thinking, you know. Okay. All right. The religious skeptic says, <laughs> "You guys are just making up things. You are not. You're not sticking with the scriptures." So let me check him. All right, let's go to First Corinthians nine. Amen. First Corinthians nine, and we'll let's start at verse. I'll start at verse sixteen, and we'll go down to twenty. Well, we'll finish the chapter. I'll stop at twenty-three though. All right, in the New Living Translation, read like this. this. Again, this is the first letter Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. He says, yet preaching the good news is not something I, I can boast about. I'm compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I were doing this in my own initiative, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice. For God has given me this sacred trust. What then is my pay? It is the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. 19. <clears throat> Even though I'm a free man with no master, I become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under under that law, even though I'm subject I'm not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who were under the law. When I am with the, the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so that I can bring them I bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I'll be the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in his blessing. So you see how 
Paul is, he's, he's talking about how he's adapting. He's not compromising any messages. He's not compromising the message. But in reference to understanding who I'm talking to, understanding the, the, the culture around me, the people, the people's idiosyncrasies, all these things, right? You see how Paul is talking here. I know I've known in the previous that this year I'm talking about you know how depending on you know, who they're trying to reach or generation, they dress different. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, versus, you know, in the pulpit, you may dress in a suit. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to like young people or if I'm miss young people, put some jeans on, you know, stuff like that. Cause, you know, you're trying to blend in. Yeah, blend in. Cause, you know, sometimes people you look Relate. a certain way, they may turn you off and say, okay, yeah. But you kind of, you know, dress it. They be like, okay. You know, they may wouldn't really listen to you, you know, just like what I've seen guys who are um, in the biker, you know, they, they what do you call it? Uh, Wall Street by day, biker by night, you know, dress, put on the stuff, you know, and they minister to people in the spike who's not safe or something like that, so. Oh, hold on, got a text. Religious skeptic says, I don't know what you call that, sir. I call that compromise. <laughs> now, how do we respond to that? Is he true? Is he is is he is he speaking the truth? No, because mm. even even the culture will say, "Well, if you 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 just code switching, you are just you you are you are not keeping it one hundred if you do things like this. If you a biker, be a biker all the time." If you Wall Street, be Wall Street all the time. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the method can always change, you know. But the message can stay the same. Oh, okay. So is, is this what we, the, is, the, is this what Paul is saying here? It's the message is what's important. Okay. Mm-hmm. The message and the love. Yeah. The uh-huh. love is what 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 people really sense, not how you look. Because after a few minutes, they, they don't care how you look anymore. Right. Because people aren't looking at what you how you dress. Once you start saying something profound, that their ears pop up. And they're listening now, and they don't they, they don't care how you dress. To me, it's he's just saying I used what I knew to reach those people. He didn't become one of them in behavior. Like if we'll go back to his hometown, dear Lord, ninety percent of the people there just seem to be addicts. I can't relate. Right. I can't. And when we used to go places, I was so miserable because I am not going to be a druggie so I can minister to druggies. <laughs> but an ex-druggie but he can, can minister he can to a druggie. Right. I don't have right. the patience. I don't have the understanding because I just can't comprehend why somebody would... I mean, I had those choices, but I saw my dad who was an alcoholic and I saw other people... I could be sitting, I could be sitting here and uh, this whole table could be full of people who, who are, who are drug, drugs, druggies, alcoholics, and I'd be just comfortable with them. Yep. Because because I was a biker for <laughs> ten years. You know, you're not a spam. I'm in a foreign land. <laughs> I used to introduce her. Get I me out of here. 
I used to introduce her to some of the guys. Mm. And they, they, they'd see me and come up and say, hey, Gene, how you doing, bro? So finds my wife, and she said, how do you know him? Oh, boy. And I say, at one time, I would die for that guy, and he would die for me. <laughs> and she looked at me like, are you crazy? I mean, I was with those guys, and, and they have a code, and it's just... Uh, yeah, you can't. <laughs> Someone that you've never had that experience. But to make it relatable, I thought about it. So, you know, I mean, we make it relatable. I thought about Paul when he went to Athens. Well, you can love the unknown God. Yeah, I, I understand him. addiction, yeah. and I have compassion for that, but I don't have, well, without Holy Spirit, it's difficult yeah. to, to minister mm -hmm. to people like that. Yeah. That was, he's, he can relate to that. I like that. See, and we're, we're bringing clarity to this, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't have to become a hooker in order, exactly. order to minister to others. That example. Right. So, you know, but if if you were somebody who was who was a streetwalker right. and you got to live it out of that, then you have a natural yes. connection with, with the person you're witnessing. And they're going to trust you more. Probably. Yeah. And because there's there's a level of trust who's like, okay. I, I, I got I gotta hear I gotta hear what you're saying because you you walked the streets I walked. Right, you snorted the stuff I snorted. Right, but Miss Prissy Pants comes, you know, to to witness to those people. They say, "What would you know yeah. about the, what I'm stuck mm -hmm. in?" And, and the truth is, nothing. And the thing, <laughs> and the thing about it is, regardless of what your background is, there's a mission field for you. Where even if you are are, are the, the, the the PK that told the line pretty much and kept it together. There's a ministry for you, mm -hmm. right? Because there are other individuals that they are set in the right atmosphere. They have the whole Christian circle around them, but there, there are certain pressures and things that, and, and insufficiencies that the enemy would try to sow into their hearts because they don't have that TBN testimony. Mm -hmm. Where you know they was a, a drug kingpin and, and selling ten million dollars worth of coke and then all of a sudden got saved. That ain't everybody's testimony. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I heard Andrew talk about it. He goes, God may call you to be call you to be a stay at home mom. That's this. You don't want anything else because that's what you do. Because that's where you. He's pointing you in this plan. He goes, stay at home moms who need support. And you can offer to because you know what it's like, especially when he had some children and you're already on this road or something to go. You, he made it clear, he goes, that is not any less important than some guy on the street doing all this big stuff or somebody out a pulpit. He goes, right. that's just as important in God's eyes. That's, that's where God wants you to be. Right. He said, you feel just a power. It's like, I just love to be around this. And I talk to these, you can be on three ladies. It don't matter if it's three or 20. Right. Right. And see, and that's, I like that point because, you know, the, the enemy will work overtime on a woman's mind to get her to feel like, you know, she's insufficient. Yeah. If she's not, if she doesn't have a, if she's not the CEO of, of, of an organization and running a nonprofit on the side while she has her kids. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that's the, the, the woman, the superwoman. But all like, how many of us know? There's only 24 hours in a day. Are you, is, is everybody doing that? Is that really practical? And sometimes 
if that's if if that person is not someone who is relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, it's all smoke and mirrors anyway. Because there's some stuff you ain't seeing behind the scenes. And see, and that's the thing. That woman as a housewife, like she know how to minister to those other women. And and she and, and that woman is that's walking in, in peace and contentment and just and, and enjoying her family and serving them faithfully and, and just enjoying the, the 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 fruit of her fellowship with the Lord day by day. How strong of a testimony is that? Mm-hmm. It, especially in the world we live in today. Especially because it's not glamorous. Right? There's no fame or notoriety. So it's people really need that. Mm-hmm. Cosmo ain't knocking on the door. <laughs> they see you, you know, feed your kids. Right? Or to, to, to homeschool them. I need the plumber to come and fix our septic or. or yeah. But how, but how powerful is it? You know, we think about, like, you know, the stay at home mom at the church setting. Oh, you're not, you don't have a ministry. You're not doing anything. Even if you don't minister at all, think about your children. It's like, isn't it better? to raise and to be there for the child and bring them up in the ways of God and show them love than for them to have to have that neglected and then they have to be ministered to by somebody else. I thought like instead of fixing the problem, preventing the problem, does that make sense? Well, God thinks it's important because yeah. Paul mentioned Timothy's mom and grandmother. Yeah. Made it a point. That's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. But that's for being relatable too. I thought about it. Paul well, we talk about what he was. He was in you know, the law. He came from that background, the Pharisaical stuff. But I thought about it in Athens. I was trying to find the exact reference. I was having a hard time with Google doing that. But when he walked through, he saw the, you know, the, um, where they mount up to the, um, the unknown God. And he used that to show them who the unknown God was. And he used God and go, you know, we would probably call him like, you know, um, we would call like sacrilegious today or something for doing that. It's like, oh, you use that, you know, when it's like, right. he used that to reach these people, to show them. Right. And, and that's a teaching principle where you use, you use something that's known to teach the unknown. Yeah. Right. So just like when Jesus is, is talking about the, the, the principles of the kingdom, he's talking about ground and seed. Why is he using that context? Because these folks understand that. But this is an agricultural culture. Yeah. Right? Now, if Jesus, you know, in the flesh was, was doing his public ministry now, he may not, he, he probably is not going to use that that type of analogy. Yeah. Right? Because, it, you know, we, we don't live in that agricultural society anymore. So that, that understanding is not as widespread. He may use something else, yeah, like using computer technology or something like that. Something that that people that people more people understand and can conceptualize, right? Yeah, people will take a computer and be like, "Say, this is how old Peter? You know that iPad you have right there? You know how the power works through it? And it that's how God. That's how the Holy Spirit's going to work through you when He comes. You know, right? <laughs> It'd be amazing. You know, yeah. we would say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah." Let's look at verse 13 now in Philippians 3. He says, and the Amplified says, I do not consider, brethren, that I've captured and made it my own yet. 
But one thing, he said, one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Now, in the King James says, reaching forth. And in the footnote says forward, reaching forward, reaching forth. To what lies ahead. You ever wonder why the... Your windshield is like 10 times bigger than your rearview mirror. Because it's much more important to see where you're going than where you've been. Makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> right. Now you have a rearview mirror, right? Because you need to check it every now and then. Right. But your windshield is huge. Because where you're going. Is, is is more important than where you yeah. pass. Yeah. Makes sense. I was thinking about it. When I first got saved, I used to take bikers to church with me and there's Pentecostal holiness women, scared them to death. Because these guys wore chains for jewelry. And I'm not talking about like gold chains. I'm talking about chain chains. Chain chains. They had them around their boots and had them around their shoulders. And I take them into church. We always had seats. People that made room. <laughs> I'm quite certain of that. And I went back to that. I left that church, came to Virginia, and I went back one time after four or five years. And there were two or three guys in there that came up and were hugging on me and loving on me, thanking me. And I didn't remember them. I had taken them there and they'd gotten saved, but I didn't I didn't even remember them. Mm. And the one guy was in tears. He said, Man, if it wasn't for you, and I'm thinking, man, I wish I knew who you were. You know. Wow. But they all they all blend it now, you know. They're, they're not the crazy bikers, they're they're part of the establishment, you know. Paul says forgetting those things which are behind. Why is that so important? Mm. Well, some things can hinder your progress. And Paul was in on killing Christians and all kinds of crazy stuff, so mm. he had to forget those things. I mean, there even comes a time when if, if we keep hanging on to promises that haven't been fulfilled yet, manifested, you can get so discouraged from that that you're not able to keep dreaming or believing going forward. You you just stand mm -hmm. still or go backwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You know, I had something in my life happen where I was encouraged by a friend in the Lord said that way too um to make plans and stuff for my future things I hadn't even seen yet. And it was amazing because it really, it didn't just help me with the promise God had and stuff, but it actually made me realize how much I had focused on my past. And not even just bad past, but there were people in my life and I thought about my future and I go, I want to have them there. I go, 
why am I talking about them? I go, they're not around me. You know, like it, it made me, it helped me. I know it was a God-given idea. I mean, I knew it anyway, but it was not only just getting me to focus on what I need to focus on, but it was like, didn't even take my focus off what I didn't need to. Just an idea, you know, it was like, mm-hmm. sometimes past is not just, you know, they did this to me and I don't forgive them. It's like, I don't see them. They don't call me. I don't call them. Why, why am I talking about them? It's nothing mean. I wish blessing, you know, all over them. But I just, you know, I got to focus on what God has ahead, you know. Now, <laughs> what if your your past is good? Thank God. Then you're not flexible or open to something new, maybe. That's good. Thank God. I know Eric appreciate this analogy. Like a team that just wins the Super Bowl, right? The pinnacle of success. How many times have we seen the following season mm-hmm. the team plays and their their effort isn't the same? The outcome isn't the same. The hunger isn't the same. Yeah. Why? Resting on your past successes. Yeah. And and relying on self. Mm-hmm. Right. If we did that then, we could still do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know all the, the variables all around. You're no longer hungry. Right. You're right. hungry. You're like, Yeah, I've got it. So yeah. I no longer have hunger. Yeah. Like I said, I've reached the top of. You have arrived. Right, I've arrived. So now. Got the rain. Right. And forget that there's another one to go for. And yeah. you just think, oh, I've already reached that. Well, there's another year ahead. Mm-hmm. I need to think about this year. I heard a coach talking one time and he said, I don't want people to know how to play, so I want people to know how to win. He said, playing to win is different. <coughs> and I thought, it's news to me. But he said, there's something inside of you, a winner. And he said, a winner always wants to win. and He'll do anything he can to win. And that's what he wanted. Uh, and I thought, well, I thought he just taught them the basics, and they learned how to play. And they, if they were good, they'd win. Hmm. We'll read verse 14. Why? I press on toward the goal to win Mark the, prize the supreme high and heavenly prize. <laughs> it doesn't say to win. Mine does. Oh, what do you got? You got Amplified. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the passion, it says, I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal mm-hmm. and gaining the victory prize. Through the anointing of Jesus. In the old school, King James says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as men, be perfect, as mature, right? Mm-hmm. Be thus minded. Mm. That's what you would drill. You gotta be perfect, very perfect, perfect. So that disqualifies me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's why the the one that was perfect had had to give us his perfection. Yes. Yeah. That's why when I first got saved, I, I, I didn't judge anybody because I always felt like I was the bottom of the barrel. I can't judge these people. I'm worse than all. I'm worse than the worst. You know. So I couldn't. I just couldn't judge anybody. And that's the thing. See, once you if you hit rock bottom, you've been at that place. There's a there's a 
a level of humility that you have. You know that that you can you you can look at anybody and say, you know what? Regardless of what you've done, what you've said, God loves you, and His His grace is right mm-hmm. here available to you. All you got to do is receive it. Mm-hmm. All right. Because the judgment, all of the high-mindedness, all that stuff is gone because you understand. And you can't judge when you you when you've been in the bottom of that barrel, mm-hmm. and you can't judge anybody. And how how well, how much can God do with a person like that, that type of heart? Let's go back to um, 1 Corinthians 9. Just thinking about this in connection with what we just read. And we're finished that chapter, verses 24 through 27. In the New Living Translation, it reads like this. He says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? Well, only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. When I meet him, I'm going to say, show me your scars, dude. I mean, that guy was stoned so many times, and he's like, keep my body under subjection. I'm thinking... You didn't have to. Your body was beat up on a regular basis. You want to call him dude? I don't know. You have to wait. You have to wait till you, you have to wait till you're there. Say, show me your scars, dude. I want to be there when you say it too. And make me say, yeah. But no disrespect. It's just a term, you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm just picking with you. Yeah. Cool. Show me your scars, dude. I know. So I need to see him. I know you've been beat like 20 times and they've been trying to kill you forever. And yet you said, I, I keep my body in subjection. I'm thinking, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay. Grace people. Y'all, y'all help me, grace folks. How do I interpret this without being legalistic here? 24 to 27. How, how, do, how does a grace person apply that? Well, if there weren't times in life that we needed self-control, it wouldn't be a fruit of the Spirit. So there are times that we have to use our will and self-control, but it's under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, not the flesh. There's a difference. And the prize is everyone can win the prize. Everyone. In other words, you're not going to have a hundred Christians and one person 
going to be rewarded. Everybody's capable of winning the prize of the high column. So you're running against yourself, actually. Just remember when we did effortless change, mm -hmm. and our big joke was, "It ain't effortless." Right. <laughs> the effort is to stay in the word. Right. I mean, there there has to be some type of spiritual discipline. Mm -hmm. You just can't say. Oh, well, you have to have a, you have to have a renewed mind, or you're not you're not going to know how to respond at, in, in, at times. Right. I mean, you just can't, you can't say you're under grace and just do whatever you want to do. You know, it's like, oh, I'm under grace, so therefore I'm free to do what I want to do. Like I said, so it requires no discipline in my behavior. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, because they... People that don't have the revelation call it grease to grace, and it's anything but. To right? me, it's a difference of whether you're exerting your will, a fleshly will, is different because then you can pat yourself on the back because you did it in the flesh. But under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that's different. There's so many things in life I I used to say, you know, I can't do, I can't do, I can't do. But it feels so much better to, I don't want to, you know? Instead of like, I can't, no, I can't do that, I can't. I can't, like, you know, it'll kill you. You know, just constantly just, no, you know, no, no, no. But then they go, God, I don't want to do that. I want to do this, God. Thank you, Jesus, you know, good desire, you know. But, but fighting to get to that point and in the sense of renewing our minds in the Word. Talking to God all the time, being real with Him, having a relationship, and, you know. And grace is you're so grateful for everything He's done for you, uh, and that's past tense, that you don't want to do anything that break that. I mean, you, you, you want to stay in communion with Him, and you want to love Him and, and do what's right all the time. Because you don't want to lose what he's given you and what you have. I like what it said. It said like, I discipline my body like an athlete. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then by me being an athlete, I understood, okay, an athlete, you have to constantly stay in training. You play football, okay, in the example. Okay, I played football, but I ain't played football in years. Now, for me to try to go out on the field and play now, Okay, it's gonna be pretty rough. They have a wheelchair for you the next day. There you go. Because <laughs> yeah. I haven't trained my body to deal with this, the hitting and the conditioning and this, you know. So if you're not in training, you know, then you can't expect to get the results. You know that somebody's been training constantly, Absolutely. and so. Same thing. It's saying he said my body physically, okay. If I want the results, and the last thing he said, okay. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching, other them disqualify myself. So the thing is, it's not that I know when I came up and read this, they was like, "Well, God disqualified." You. No, it's not God. No, because people will disqualify you mm -hmm. because right. okay, you saying you're Christian and you. Believe in God and stand His word, but your lifestyle is not backing it up. Why? Because I'm not training myself in the things of God. Mm -hmm. You know, not just myself mm -hmm. in the things of God. So therefore, people look at me like, "Yeah, you say you're Christian, but I don't believe you. You have no influence on me because mm -hmm. you, what you're saying, the, your behavior doesn't back up what you're saying, what your testimony." And so therefore, people be like. 
I'm only, I'm not really trying to hear you. Your fruit's so little, I can't see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People used to say to me, hey, Gene, I heard you got saved. I say, yeah. And they say, what's somebody do give you a life preserver? Mm -hmm. And I mean, they start making fun of me, but a week later, they'd be coming up to me quietly saying, my grandmom's really sick, Gene. Will you pray for her, please? I'm so, I, and these are guys that are making fun of you in front of other guys. Mm -hmm. But when it kind of hits the metal, they want to talk to you, you know? Yeah, but you can tell when the athletes have trained. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They come in, you know, just mm -hmm. like the professional athlete. They come in to camp. Oh, you can tell when they've been working out and training versus somebody just took the whole summer off and been eating. Just eating and going to the club. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. And the same thing with Christian. You can tell somebody who's been in the Word, you know, spend time with God and, and serious about the relationship with God and they were in a relationship versus somebody <laughs> Just, you know, I use the example of doing a Sunday morning thing and going home. You shall know them by their. And it's Very true. Good. The world is really looking for not just us being churchy, like we're saying. You know, you can really tell right. when someone's really been, you know, working out in the field and stuff. And I go, I've had so many friends, you know, friends who they don't want anything to do with God. And they, you can tell they get turned off. You start talking about God, but you know they're really not turned off by God. It's just, they've seen so much. Religious crap. It, it turned, yeah, it turned off by religious crap. You can it's, say it's, it like that. It's okay to say that. I hope. I'm sorry. And it's the culture. Yeah. You're always sorry to say, yeah. It's like when you start showing someone love, it's just unconditional love and just, I'm here if you need a word. You know, and you're real and then they start opening up. And it's like, wow, you know, it's such a cool feeling. And even I go the other side of that, we've got to be careful not to use our work. Discipline as a trophy, like look at me. Yeah, I ain't doing. That's a fine line. When we, I think y'all talk about judging people. I think somebody did. Yeah. Oh, look, I ain't doing this. Look what you're doing. I just stopped smoking cigarette. You still smoking? Mm -hmm. And so we got to be careful not to use that yeah. as a trophy to put ourselves above people that we look down on. Mm -hmm. But understand, you know what? I'm I'm training myself, discipline my body because I want to glorify God. I want to be. The example that he called me. saying humble can do the same thing. You do. I'm so humble. That's not humble. Yeah. yeah. No, not. Then once you point back to yourself, you're not humble no more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so humble. I don't do that. It's like. Yeah. Then why are you telling us you're humble? Right. right. Just stay humble. Right. Don't first, the humble. first person I ever heard say, Praise the Lord. He had taken a deep drag on the cigarette. And he goes, Praise the Lord. He's a puff of and, 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 I, and, and I'm thinking, if this God is so strong and so powerful, how come he just doesn't do <coughs> You know? Uh, and I didn't know anything about Christianity, but I just kept thinking, he kept telling me to help how God could do anything. I said, can he help me quit smoking? <laughs> so based on what you're saying, Eric, like people will take you through a two-step verification process, right? Just like Google. Mm -hmm. you, it's not good enough for you just to put your password in. That's right. You gotta have your phone to get that code in order to mm -hmm. get inside. One time verification code. <laughs> right. So so will we say that the testimony of your lips is verified by the fruit? Mm -hmm. Two step process. Yeah. So they can deny entry if you just got the got the password. Mm -hmm. But if they see the fruit. Then they got to take a second look at what you said. You know. 
parce que hold on let me see did okay I, I see bubbles but the religious skeptic he okay went away I think he's ready to go he got tired of us grace people again yeah. I love him. Right. He's, 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 we're going to have him really saved. That's right. <laughs> we're going to convert him yet. That's right. That's right. That's right. So I like this because we, you know, these are these are real, you know, <clears throat> conversations, real yes. dilemmas. Because when Eric was talking about like the disciplines. You can you can get to a place where you esteem the discipline above mm -hmm. the 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 relationship you're disciplining yourself for, right? The, and and the, that legal the seduction of legalism. This is why it's dangerous to have like deficits emotionally, because the you you can you can get drawn by the the praises of men. And when people will, you, you pray for four hours? Oh my goodness. Let's put you in front of the church. Yeah. You, you, you did what? How many days? You fasted for 27 days? Let's take you to the hospital. <laughs> right? But see, if you have, if, if, those emotional needs aren't aren't fulfilled in a healthy way through your relationship with God and godly people, then the praises of men become much more attractive. I remember people used to look at me and say, the reason you're like you are is because you're weak. You're just weak. <clears throat> and I look at them and say, you know I am. And they don't know how to handle that. I say, yeah, I'm weak. I need, I need him to get through the day. To get through the week, you know. That's right. And and uh, they, they're trying to mock you, but when you're honest with them, they can't answer you. See, but I like what your point you said because a lot of Christians don't want to embrace that. Uh uh. Uh uh. The weakness. Uh uh. Because you know nobody want to be weak. What's the word say? When I'm weak, I'm strong, right? Yes. Yeah. But they don't yeah. want. Yeah. Nobody wants to be identified as being weak. I, you know, we want to identify as being strong. But everybody's heard that before. You need Jesus as a crutch because you're right. weak. So, I, said, yeah. I said, no, I don't need him as a crutch. I need him as crutches. Yeah. Okay. I need him as a walker. I need him as everything. Yeah. Because I can't do it. Yeah. That's right. You know, right. I, I can't. And then what happens if God is talking to you starts relating to that? So, man, if he's having, he has a hard time. He needs Jesus to get through. I mean, I can relate to that. You know, the, the, the right. tough guy. Right. See, but what God is doing, he's trying to get us weak. So now I can get you to, to walk in the spirit now, which is even more powerful mm -hmm. than my own strength. Mm -hmm. That's what he's trying to do. I'm going to get you to um, die to yourself. And when you're weak and you, and you know you can't do it, that, that's like you said, you're depending on him to do yeah, it. Yeah, now I'm depending on him because yeah. people think depending on God, like you said, makes you weak. Because, you know, in the culture, you mm -hmm. know, they teach you, you ain't got to depend on the body, you're strong, you yeah. know, be strong. But now it's just, it's like an oxymoron. God is saying, be weak. So you can be strong, because now I'm depending on you right. to do it, to right. rule me. Right. you're strong in the Lord. Right. right. 
but we don't want to give it. Like, no, nah, I want to do this on my own. Uh, you know, no, I've done though, that. No, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> but I'm saying, I live that life. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I can, God, we tell God, I, I got this. Let me handle this on my own. I'm strong enough. That's now. dumb. Yeah. That's, That's why real, Jesus though. made the law so high. I mean, you know, the law was already high, but we couldn't say, but then Jesus made the law even stricter. You know, he said, you know, hey, y'all think that you're not, you know, murdering anybody? Well, if you hate somebody, you're murdering them. If you think they're committing adultery, well, if you think about it, you're, it, it was to make us where we absolutely knew yeah. for sure we could not ever do it, you know. Done. Yeah. White flag. You know? Right, right. Raising the bar. So he's just trying to get us to get out of the way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Take it out of the way. But dependence on God is rejected because we think that, hey, if I depend on God, I shouldn't need him. But he's telling, yes, you do. You need me to this. Then before he says, without me, you know, we're branches. Without me, you can't do nothing. You can't produce no food. It's, it's really, though, that co-laboring. Right, it's not if, if people can understand that it's not God, and then there's you, right. and you're just hanging on, and, and right. just it's it's different. It's like co-laboring together, mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. Christ living His life through you. Mm -hmm. It's a little different than saying I'm so dependent on Him. Right? No, we, we work together. Without Him, I can't do anything. So, but it's a partnership. Well, we only you know we only think. I want to depend on him when I get in trouble mm -hmm. or trauma, tragedy, you know, um, real tough circumstances. Oh, now Jesus, I need you. But when everything's going smooth, and I don't need you now because everything's good. Have we ever had any any weeks like that? Smooth? No. I light on my truck. Airbag light, right? I called the dealer. I said, uh, what, what do you charge to diagnose an airbag light? He said, $175. I said, just to diagnose it? They're going to plug a machine on it, yeah. right? Yeah. I said, $175. And I started laughing. And the girl said, what are you laughing at? I said, you guys are criminals. I said, there's no way I'm going to pay you $175. I went somewhere else, and they did it for $49 or $59. $59. And then they told me what it was and where it was. And I went and bought the part and put it on myself. So I got it fixed for $59. Bucks. Or if I went to the dealer, it was what, 175 and up. In other words, 175 was just a total wrong. But the key thing is, but God showed me, yes, yeah, exactly. God showed me where to go. When I when after the dealer did that, yeah. I said, I'm not going to do that, Lord. You need to show me where I can go. I can trust that somebody's not going to rip me off. Yeah. And He took me to the right place. See, so this is a practical example yeah. of seeking Him. Mm -hmm. You know, for you know, for asking. I've had God tell me put extra sugar or extra this on bacon or something. It came out amazing. It's like, oh, actually, I can't. I've only felt like that. People think I was crazy, whatever. They could think that. And then, you know, which is just amazing. I know, right? Our blessed brother. I saw this big cathedral there having a preaching. There was like five or 10,000 people. And then one guy came out and said, I got I got this degree here and that degree there. And my master's here. And I'm a fellow on this this fellowship. And I, I mean, he went on and on and on. And then he sat down and another guy got up and said, I don't have any degrees at all. And he said, but I've been with someone who knows the beginning and the end of everything. And then he said, let us pray. And this is the humble guy. The humble guy got on his knees and when he started praying, the place came unglued. The power of God hit the place. 
So you had the one guy got up who was bragging about all the stuff he's done, and you got the other guy who didn't have anything to brag about, and and told everybody, I don't have anything like that. Mm. And and when he but when he prayed, I said to Terry, feel sense that anointing, the power of God just filled the place up with the humble man. Yeah. Mm. Sound like the Bible, don't? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> social media family. We'll see you next week. Uh, good night.